0: Good Saturday morning to everybody and welcome to the Mortgage Matters Radio Show with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Rob, what's up? Good morning there, my friend. Good morning. How are you, Gary? You know, I got to tell you, I'm hanging in there over here, you know, doing my best. How about yourself? Doing well. Doing I, I'm doing glad well. to hear that. Very busy as usual. I can imagine. This is really, this is the time. This is the time. I have a buddy of mine who's a uh, real estate agent and he's like, yo putting a house on the market and then uh you know i'm getting i'm getting calls within the same day that it's listed and there's people who are making offers that that exceed the asking price you know so this is really a very often seller's now. market of course if you're going to sell and, and then you're also going to buy it's good it's going to turn the tables on you very mm-hmm. shortly thereafter but if uh if you're moving out of state hey you know that's uh that could be to your advantage you know i'm sure you're hearing a, a lot of people who are looking to both um you know refinance as well as looking at what the interest rates are yes hey coming up at the end of the show um we're going to talk a little bit about homebot right there's some a special offer that i know that you'd like to make um to really offer your listeners here we can go into the details of that and as far as what what people need to do as far as emailing the show and and so on and so forth you can maybe can you give us maybe a little bit of synopsis later on and what HomeBot yeah, is. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Or? HomeBot is something I've been using with my private clients yeah. for almost two years. It's phenomenal. It tracks your home value, it tracks interest rates and different opportunities to refinance. And I would like to make it
0: available to some people outside of my private client base. Well, really? So, well, well, we'll get into that. All right, so let's talk about some interest rates. Um, maybe we'll start with something very kind of basic. I want to talk about some of the myths out there right now. um misconceptions as well when it comes to interest rates.
1: yeah, so there's a lot of misconceptions and a lot of myths, uh, a lot of misinformation out there about interest yeah. rates. So let me touch on that. I would say the number one thing that people think when they hear the word interest rates is, I want the lowest rate no matter what. That's a really common theme. Of course. Um, right? Why wouldn't you? Well, yeah, I was going to well, say, who who's out there saying, give me the highest rate you can get me? Well, <laughs> you'll, you'll see why that isn't always the best move. So I'd say that's the number one misconception is I want the lowest rate no matter what. And the key is no matter what, because there's some tricks, there's some scams, there's some manipulations that mortgage companies and banks use to make you think you're getting the best deal and the lowest rate when you're actually not really getting as good of a deal as you think. Again, we'll touch on that here in a little bit. Um, The next thing is along those lines is the lowest rate is always the best rate. That's a myth, that's a misconception. The lowest rate is not always the best rate. A competitive rate with the right strategy is better than the lowest rate on the wrong strategy or the wrong product. And I'll give you an example of that. Uh, a client that had come to me a couple years ago and said, I want the lowest rate no matter what. And mm. they were you know, adamant that that's what they wanted. The 15 year rate is gonna typically be the lowest rate in the market. So they went and took a 15 year mortgage at, at the time in the high 2% range. And I saw with their budget, with their finances, it was gonna be a little bit of a stretch on their monthly nut. But again, they were absolutely convinced that no matter what it takes, I want that super low 15-year rate. Well, fast forward to COVID. And what ended up happening was their hours at their job got reduced significantly. They still had a job, but that 15-year mortgage they had taken a year earlier it wasn't working for them anymore. They had this awesome rate. They were bragging to all their friends about this rate in the <laughs> 2% range that they had. But then they got into a predicament where they weren't going to be able to make their mortgage wow. payment. So that's an example of where it wasn't the best. But here's, here's the long part of the story, which is. They ended up needing to refinance. One year after they took that 15 year, they couldn't do it. They were either gonna go late on the mortgage or they were going to have to get a new mortgage. So we had to take that 15 year loan, they were one year into, and stretch it back out to a 30 year loan. Obviously the rate was a little higher, but their payment went down significantly. They were able to get through COVID. They were able to get through that time of uh, their income being fluctuated. So in that case, the lowest interest rate wasn't the best. They either shouldn't have refinanced at all, or they should have done a new thirty-year mortgage with a higher rate. It would have dropped their payment. Because again, yeah. you know, if you don't do it right the first time, you end up needing to do it twice. Yeah,
0: you end up being cash-strapped. That's not a way to go through life. You know, you, you, when you're cash-strapped and, and something unforeseen uh, comes down the road, and all of a sudden you're, you're sitting there going, "All of our money now is going to this mortgage." You're absolutely right. I, I can't imagine. Uh, how their life was during that year to get to the point where they can well, they felt refinance. good at the time at the time, yeah, when it was rainbows and unicorns, but-, but you always need to look at
1: different scenarios, worst case scenarios, and like we've talked about before, for some people, depending on your job, depending on your savings, you know if you have six figures in savings, then maybe you can take an added risk of losing your job or having a uh, a reduction in income with a high mortgage like that. But if you are paycheck to paycheck barely making ends meet. Maybe you have one or two months of savings, taking a 15-year mortgage with a low rate, it can be uh you know, a really really bad idea. I'm
0: just curious, Rob, what go- what are the factors that go into determining an interest rate?
1: That's a great question and a lot of people think that there's one rate. You know, I have consumers call me and say, "What's your rate today?" as <laughs> if it's like you're ordering off a menu and there's like one beef dish and one you know, steak dish. That's not how interest rates work. There's a lot of different factors that go into that and everybody is gonna have a different rate. So let me talk to you about some of the main factors. We don't have time to cover them all, Mm -hmm. but let's talk about some of the main factors. Number one, credit score. I think most people understand that the higher your credit score is, the lower your interest rate's going to be generally speaking. So that's number one. The next thing is a loan term, like we were just discussing, a 10 year or a 15 year mortgage, is going to be a lower rate than a 30 year or a 20 year mortgage. The shorter the term is, like we've discussed, the higher the payment, there's less risk because you're paying the loan down quicker. So the loan term is a big factor in that. Next thing is going to be loan amount. If you are taking a mortgage for less than 100,000 with a lot of banks, you pay a higher rate. Why? Because there's not that much profit to be made on a really small mortgage. So a lot of lenders, credit unions, banks will penalize you on your interest rate depending on what your loan amount is. So the ones I've seen are if it's under 100,000, with some banks, if it's under 150,000, they will actually increase the interest rate on that. Some banks have the other way. They'll give you a better interest rate if it fits in a certain criteria, like 125 to 150. You can see now as these factors start adding up. And then the other side of the coin is a jumbo loan or a a large mortgage, which some areas of Connecticut, there are people taking mortgages for 700,000, 800,000, or a million dollars or more. Those mortgages typically have different interest rates than a conventional conforming mortgage with a normal loan amount, which would be something like in most areas, less than 600,000, generally speaking, is considered a non-jumbo loan. Again, depending on your area, I'm just giving generalizations. The next thing is the loan program. Is it a government loan like an FHA loan is going to have a different interest rate than a VA loan or a USDA loan or a conventional mortgage like Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac? They're all going to have different rates. So you could go with the exact same scenario, same credit score and all the factors the same and get a different rate on an FHA loan than you're going to get on a conventional loan. Again, you're starting to see these factors come into play. The next thing is loan type as far as fixed rate versus adjustable rate. Typically, as we'll discuss here further, Hmm. the adjustable rate is normally going to be a lower interest rate than a fixed rate. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's one factor there. And then purchase mortgage versus a refinance mortgage. Uh, I know my company has been running an incentive on purchase money mortgages um, with a quarter point off of the cost of the mortgage for purchase to help Again, incentivize, it's almost like, again, going to a restaurant or somewhere and they're running a promotion. Depending on what you, lender you're dealing with, they might be running an incentive or a promotion to take a purchase money mortgage versus a refinance. That's something that I've seen. And then along the lines of refinancing, there's really two types of refinancing. There's a rate and term refinance, Mm -hmm. where you're just lowering the rate or changing the term, and then you've got a cash out refinance. Doesn't matter if you're consolidating debt, taking money to improve your property, or invest in another property, anything where you're liquidating equity out of the property is gonna be considered a cash out refinance. Those are higher risk loans. You're taking money out of the house. That's gonna have a higher interest rate than a no cash out refinance. occupancy. Are you going to live in the house? If you're not going to live there, if it's a second home or an investment home that you're going to rent out, it's going to have a higher rate than a primary residence. The lowest risk, the lowest rate is always gonna be the primary home, which is the house that you live in as your primary. And then we'll just touch on two last ones here, cause I know we're limited on time, which is debt to income ratio. What is your debt versus your income? And especially during COVID, I saw a lot of lenders that had penalized people on their interest rate if you had a high debt to income ratio. Because of your higher risk, if you have, for example, more than a 50 percent debt to income ratio on an FHA loan, you can still get the loan in most cases, but it's a higher risk loan. You're really pushing those boundaries. So you're going to have to be uh, compensating the investor for that. And I would say last but not least would be property type. Is it a condominium, a single family home, a multifamily home? Is it a two unit or a four unit? the single family home detached property is almost in every case going to be the lowest rate you can get. Condominiums do have higher interest rates, not a lot higher, but there is a hit in most cases to the interest rate. And then multifamily, again, like we've discussed on previous shows, you have other people paying you, there's tenants involved, that increases the risk. So a two to four unit property in most cases is going to carry Uh, a higher rate, in some cases a significantly higher rate than a single family home. And again, these are not all the factors, but these are the main ones that I want you to understand all of the things that go in and that it's more than just saying, what's your rate today?
0: All right, so based on what you just said, two things come to mind, I have two questions. Uh, You talked about the jumbo, right? The, this is for over six hundred thousand dollars, right?
1: Depending on the area, in some areas in Fairfield County, it's you know the limit is higher than that. In other areas, like Hartford County, it's less.
0: Is is it because it's going to require you require more money? Is is that what makes a difference from with the interest rate? No, it's not
1: because it requires more money from you. You're talking about income to pay. No, I'm talking about borrowing. Yeah, because there's a lot more at risk. Right. Somebody taking a mortgage for, for a, million, let's say, right, it's a million. Right. different a million. Dollars. If somebody doesn't pay the bank back 150 thousand, they're gonna lose less than the guy that doesn't pay back 800 thousand or a million. So there are definitely. But when you factors. scale it,
0: when you scale it, you've got to be qualified for a million dollars. So you have the you have the money to pay it back.
1: It's still it's no a concentrated than... risk though. Just like in real estate investing, do you want one property or do you want three? If you have a million dollars to lend out, what is higher risk, lending it to one person or lending it to six okay. people?
0: All right, that makes sense. Then the other question I had was if you can just differentiate you know, between a variable rate and a fixed rate.
1: Sure. So the last few years, especially fixed rates have been all of the rage. There hasn't really been an incentive. But the way a fixed rate works is the principal and interest portion of that mortgage is the same for the entire duration of the loan. So if it's a 15-year loan or a 30-year loan, that principal and interest payment is never going to change. Obviously, if you include your property tax and that goes up, that part could change. (laughs) Or your home insurance increases, that part could change. But the P&I, which stands for principal and interest, will stay the exact same for the duration of the loan. That's why fixed rates are so attractive right now, because you can lock in a really low fixed rate. and. Maybe you get a raise every year. So your income is going to go up, but your mortgage principal and interest is going to stay the same. Now, on an adjustable rate, um, most of the adjustable rates that are offered now are what I call hybrid programs. So what that means is that there's a there's a fixed portion of that. Maybe it's the first three years, which is called a 3-1 Mm-hmm. Uh, arm or adjustable rate maybe it's fixed for the first five years so you have this initial fixed period and then after that the rate typically adjusts you know depending on the loan every year is, is the most common so if you do a 3-1 arm you're going to get a low rate for the first three years but then after the rate has the potential to go up do you fluctuate. recommend that
0: who would want that though
1: People that want the lowest rate a lot of the time will want that. And they it's only only the lowest rate initially, though. It is. But the average homeowner refinances or sells their home every couple of years. I think the last time I checked, it's every three and a half to four years. Okay. So if you knew that you were going to get a new mortgage within five years, then why not just lock in for five years, get a little bit of a lower rate? But lately, this hasn't been as popular as it was when I started in the mortgage industry back in the early 2000s. I would say 75% of people were taking these adjustable rates or these hybrid rates because they were so much lower. They were, in some cases, a half to a full point lower than a fixed rate. And because equity was growing so much and people understood that they were going to refinance or sell their house, they were taking these adjustable rates. The downside was when the housing market crashed, they couldn't refinance. They lost their job. These other things happen and they were stuck with this high mortgage. People remember that still now. And that's why I haven't even done an adjustable rate in probably a year and a half to two years. Yeah. Because the fixed rate is so attractive. If I told you I can give you a fixed rate at 3% or I can give you a five-year hybrid loan adjustable rate at 2.8%, well, why would you take the risky one when the fixed rate that's guaranteed is only a fraction of a percent higher? That's why the adjustable rates have not been in vogue like they had. But
0: if it was an adjustable at a full point less, let's say at two percent, all right, and that would be a lot more attractive than just refinanced as you hit that five year mark. That's the idea. But were the were the uh lending institutions, were they catching on to this and saying, hey, we're giving you this great rate. We're we're, we're getting the no. bad end of the stick here because you're not sticking with a. a, a they're longer... not
1: because not everyone's going to be able to refinance. You know, so they're for a they're lot taking that reasons. gamble. Then. They're taking the gamble, but this product we're discussing here, these adjustable rates generally speaking, are one of the main reasons for the housing crash yeah. back in the earlier part of the oh, yeah. 2000s. I remember because that. people did these saying, oh, I'll just refinance in a couple years. Oh, it's fixed for two years. It's fixed for five years. I'm good. But then what ended up happening was the housing market crash. They couldn't refinance because their home value had gone down or they lost their job or something changed. And now the bank's licking their chops because <laughs> now that's what they that's how the product is designed they can then increase your rate in the future you making the payment or not is your problem now one thing i will give credit to the banks and the regulators for is to get an adjustable back then they didn't factor in home values dropping. They didn't factor in the rate going up. Nowadays, to get an adjustable rate mortgage, the underwriter is going to look at what does this look like five years out or 10 years out? How high could the rate go? And could you afford the house if the rate went up significantly? That's one piece that they're doing now that they didn't do before. And then the other thing is equity. You're not getting an adjustable rate if you're putting 3% down. You're You're having to put a big down payment. I'm just glad glad you
0: clarified that because I was thinking, you know, if if after five, maybe they would make you sign a 10-year agreement where the first five was, you know, low fix and then it could be adjustable for the second five. But it doesn't sound like they're holding your feet to the fire for, you know...
1: Usually an adjustable rate is going to be a 30-year term. So mm-hmm. if it's fixed for five years, it's 25 years where it'd be adjustable. Does anyone really keep it that long? No, Absolutely no, not.
0: Of course not. Folks, you're listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show with uh, Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Let's talk about discount points. Um, I, I, How are they used? So
1: discount points are really popular nowadays because everyone just wants that low rate. So discount points our prepaid interest. It's basically you as a homeowner or a home buyer going to the bank and saying, I'm going to prepay some of the interest. I'm going to pay a fee, which is called points to lower that interest rate over the term of the loan. Now, one point is equal to 1% of the mortgage amount. So if you're borrowing $200,000 and you're paying one point, that's a $2,000 fee that's added onto your closing costs. If you're borrowing $200,000 and you're paying two points, that's $4,000 in fees, additional fees that you're paying. And people just look at the rate and there's some big box lenders that I will remain uh, unnamed on this broadcast here that, are predatory and they take advantage of people because they offer super low rates, two and a half percent, 2.3. But if you read the fine print, it comes at a huge cost, two points or even three points that you have to pay to get that rate. And again, people are so fixated on this low rate that they don't realize that paying two, three, six, I've even seen over $10,000 in discount points to get that lower rate. They would have been better off taking a higher rate and paying less points or no points. Most of my clients end up paying no points. That's something I take a lot of pride in because a lot of banks, again, manipulate and take advantage of people. I give a lot of my clients those options so they could see, hey, we can get your rate down by paying this much, but it's going to take you a certain amount of time to break even. That's the big thing that people
0: miss. So many people, Rob. So many people people are fixated on these low interest rates, right? I mean, especially being the deci- especially as being the deciding factor when it comes to making these decisions on their mortgage. They're not even considering these discount points or anything else for that matter.
1: No, and the reason that people are so fixated on interest rates being that deciding factor is because if you step back for a minute and think about who did you learn about, finances from, who did you learn about mortgages from? Your parents. Well, when you go back, who did your parents learn from? It's the (laughs) banks, it goes back to the banks, the banks taught American consumers, how to manage their money, how to manage their mortgages. They want you to get fixated on the interest rate so that they can manipulate and make money off you and all these other fees and all these other ways. And again, it just huh. comes down to you're learning how to manage your money from the enemy, so to speak, that's from right. the person that's making money from you. That's and right. that's why people are so fixated on this. But again, as we're discussing, the interest rate is not the most important yeah, thing. Yeah, and that's
0: why this show is so important. You're telling it as it is. People need to know this. and. What other tricks that are being used to confuse consumers into thinking that they're getting a better deal than what they really are?
1: My answer on this is going to be really controversial because I am throwing some people under the bus, Uh some mortgage companies, some credit unions, some banks that do these things. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag here. I've been doing this almost 20 years. I've seen loan estimates from hundreds of banks all over the place and all different areas. And I'll tell you the top three or four scams that I come across, and I call them scams because they're manipulations to take advantage of people. Number one is that they'll offer you this super low rate and you feel like you're getting a good deal based on a phone conversation. You submit all your paperwork, then they go to lock in your rate. And when they lock that rate in, they add all these additional fees. They add all these extra points that we're talking about. And all you're looking at is, oh, well they told me 2.875, and that's what it says on the paperwork, but you fail to realize that they're charging you one, two, or more discount points or extra fees in order to get that rate. Most consumers just feel like, hey, it's a good deal, let me sign. They don't really question it. The next thing is changing the rate at the time of the rate lock. So a lot of companies will advertise on billboards, TV and radio about a super low rate. You'll contact them and they'll engage with you to get this mortgage, but then, Once you get them all your paperwork, all of a sudden the rate changes. Maybe it was 2.75 and then you go to lock in your rate a few days or a week later and the loan officer tells you, oh, I'm sorry, the rates have gone up. I can't get you that 2.75 anymore. Now it's 2.99 or now it's three and a quarter. And again, you're already engaged in the process. A lot of people don't do further due diligence and they just take that. Even though it may not be true, they just move forward. Next thing is, that a lot of banks and lenders will charge additional fees and they'll broadcast to you and they'll sell you on the fact that, hey, you're not paying any points, but they disguise it as another type of fee, maybe a loan processing fee or origination fee. So those same thousands of dollars we're talking about to buy the rate down, Mm They will tell you, look, points says zero, you're not paying any points, but they bundle it in other fees, so it's really the same dollars, and it's just a psychological thing, because people are taught, I don't want to pay points, or pay as little as possible, so they show you it's no points, but they add it on other fees, they bundle it in other fees. The last one that I'll say, and this one... I haven't seen happen that much lately, but back during the last housing crisis, it was really common for kickbacks. Kickbacks mean that somebody's getting a commission or uh, an extra fee for putting you with a certain provider. So one thing that was common is a mortgage company would have a partnership with an attorney's office or a title company, and they would say, hey, send us all your clients. Every client you send us, we're going to give you a $500 extra kickback on the back end. It's 100% illegal. You can lose your mortgage license and legal license for doing something like this. It's against the Real Estate Settlement Procedures Act. But back in the day, nobody was really looking at that. And even nowadays, there are some unscrupulous companies that will say, hey, we got you set up with a great attorney. We got you set up with a great title company to do your closing. Really what's going on is they have a backdoor relationship with that person. They're overcharging you on the attorney's fee. They're overcharging you on the settlement fees or title insurance and things of that nature. And then what's happening Happening is they're taking that money and they're giving them a kickback on the
0: back end I, that's cr- how can someone tell though you you have all this knowledge you're on the inside this is your industry but how can someone tell if they're getting a competitive interest rate when they and they're not getting ripped off on their mortgage
1: like we talked about there's so many factors that go into an interest rate calculation mm-hmm. you can't just say well my neighbor's getting a three percent so I I should get a three percent where you should be looking is, there's a, an average rate published every week by Freddie Mac. You can just go on Google and search Freddie Mac average interest rates. They will show you the average interest rates that people are getting all over the country. They will also show you how many points they're paying for that rate. Typically, the rate that you're going to see on there includes anywhere from a half to one point. So that can give you an idea if the offer that you're getting is at least in the market. Now, if you have a low credit score, a more complicated scenario, like an investment property, a second home, a low down payment, all these other things, your rate might be higher, but you can at least see the trend for owner occupied single family, just vanilla loans. (laughs) The other thing that I have all my clients going with is HomeBot, like I said, to get them in on HomeBot, to show them on a monthly basis, here's the going rate, here's how much you can save. All
0: right, so you you brought up HomeBot. Let's talk a little bit about that because I, from what I understand, I mean, this is really not available to the average consumer, right? You've got to be on the inside, somebody like yourself. You have to get
1: sponsored by a mortgage lender or a realtor in order to get a HomeBot report. You cannot get it as a consumer. It's something that I've been offering to my private level clients, like I said, for almost two years. And there's so much value in a HomeBot report. It's a monthly report that goes to your email. You don't have to speak to anyone or provide any personal info, and it will look at the trends of not only mortgage interest rates, but also the home value. It'll show you a graph of the value of your home. You can tune that value if you've done home improvements, if you've added a kitchen or redone this or that, you can tune that value to get it as accurate as possible, and then it will track that value over time to alert you. What opportunities do you have to save money on refinancing? What's the going interest rate on a 15-year loan, a 30-year loan, et
0: cetera? How much would you save, theoretically? Now, in order to get this, you've got to be your client, traditionally, right? That's how you offer this. However, if you folks right now, right now by listening to this show, if you're one of the first five people to email Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com, you will get this absolutely free. But you got to email and be one of the first five, so I wouldn't wait. Email right now, Mortgage Matters Radio Show at at gmail.com and you'll get this homebot report. You'll just want to provide your
1: property address to me with your name and your phone number so I can load you in and then you'll get an immediate email once I put you in the system.
0: If you want to check out Rob's website, it's www.RobGW.com. Again, it's real easy, RobGW.com. And if you would like to contact Rob Weinberg personally, All you got to do is call them. 860 413 3938. Once again, 860 413 3938. For Rob Weinberg, Mortgage Matters, I'm Gary Byron.